الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على عبد الله ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد First of all, can I just check we're okay to go? Everything's fine? Okay. Uh, you might have to check the audio thing. Okay. Alhamdulillah, by the grace of Allah Azza wa Jal, we got to start our classes finally after a very, very long time. Very long time of waiting, subhanAllah. Qaddar Allah wa fa'al. There were some challenges getting started. But insha'Allah ta'ala, we're going to be able to keep the classes on a regular basis. And there's a few changes to the classes for the people who are watching via YouTube. And that is that all of the classes will be live streamed insha'Allah. So instead of us recording the class and broadcasting it insha'Allah, what we're going to do bi-idhnillahi ta'ala is we're going to live stream all of the classes. And they'll be live streamed on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash Muhammad Tim. And on there, you'll be able to catch the class live and the class will be saved for the people who want to watch it later on. As for the timing of the class, we're sticking to a Friday, inshallah ta'ala. But we're going to be doing it after Maghrib in the UK time. So at the moment, Maghrib was 20 past seven, roughly. And uh, by the time we pray Maghrib and we finish and people pray their sunnah prayers, so inshallah, it comes to around about... Uh, 7.40 but the time will be changing so it's going to be getting earlier because I know some of the brothers and sisters who are watching from Dubai and other places it's very difficult for them, it's late for them but inshallah ta'ala uh, they will be able to catch the classes earlier as the time goes forward the other thing that we're going to take advantage of with regard to the live stream is live comments so anyone who's watching via the live stream now what they can do is they can post a comment and inshallah, there's a moderator. Some of the comments, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala, will be posted on the screen. And we'll be able to answer those comments during the class at various times for questions and things like that, inshallah ta'ala. So where are we up to now? We reached Surah Al-Shams. If you remember when we started this tafsir class all back in, probably about a year ago, we started this class. We started it in Dubai, when I was living in Dubai. And we started it with the intention of finishing two juz of the Qur'an. Juz Amma, the last juz of the Qur'an, and juz Tabarak, from, tabarak, uh, from uh, Surah Tabarak, Surah Al-Mulk, until the end of the Qur'an. And so far, we've not reached that far. We've only reached as far as Surah Al-Shams. So we did... Surah Al-Fatiha, Surah Al-Nas, Al-Falaq Al-Ikhlas, Tabbat Yada, Surah Al-Nasr, we did Surah Al-Kafirun, and we went all the way until we reached Washamsi Waduhaha. And I'm actually halfway through the Surah, because when we stopped, in, because of what was happening with COVID and everything, we stopped halfway through the Surah. But we're going to go over just a few points to get to where we're at. We reach the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَكَّاهَا قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَكَّاهَا Successful is the one who purifies it. So let's go back to the beginning of the surah. Just to recap, 
that we had various oaths that Allah swore by washamsi wa duhaha. Allah swore by the sun. Allah swore by the moon wal qamari idha talaha. Allah swore by the daytime wal nahari idha jallaha. Allah swore by the nighttime wal layli idha yaghshaha. Allah swore by wa samai wa ma banaha. وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا طَحَاهَا وَنَفْسٍ وَمَا سَوَّاهَا How many is that? Who's counting? The sun and the moon and the day and the night and the heavens and the earth and the seventh one is what? Is the nafs. Why does Allah swear by something? Who can remember from... I know not everybody came to the previous class. But what, does, what did we learn when Allah swore by something? And if we get any answers on the live stream also, let me know. When Allah swore by something, with the qasam, وَالشَّمْسِ وَضُحَاهَا وَالْقَمَرِ إِذَا تَلَاهَا Allah swore by these things. What do we learn about? What benefit do we take from it? Many times Allah swore by many things in the Qur'an. Many times Allah swore by something in the Qur'an. Allah swore by these things, made a, an oath by these things. And as for us Muslims, we're only allowed to swear by Allah, right? We only we can say wallahi, but we can't say I swear by the sun, or I swear on my mother's life, or I swear on my father's grave, or any of the things people say this is haram, right? We're only allowed to swear by Allah. But Allah swears by whatever He wants from His creation. So Allah swears by anything that He wants from His creation. But why does Allah swear by things? What does it tell us? It's something important. Did you have that on the live stream? You should have read out the name of the person so we can... So, something important. And that's there's a rule in tafsir. Allah only swears by something that is mu'azzam. That's very serious in His eyes. So all of these things are very important. The sun and the moon and the night and the day or the day and the night and the heavens and the earth. But where we reached up to is the nafs, the soul or the person. And here is where we're going to talk about this statement of Allah Azza wa Jal. قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَكَّاهَ أَفْلَحَ Someone to be successful from al-falah. For someone to be successful. And success, the scholars of tafsir, they say that the word al-falah is tahseel al-matloob wal-najatu min al-marhoob. It means to achieve your goal and be saved from what you're scared of. What's our goal? What's our goal that we're aiming for? For Jannah, right? For Jannah. And what are we trying to be saved from? From the fire. So Allah Azza wa Jal told us, Qad aflah, you are going to get this. You're going to get Jannah. And you're going to be saved from the fire if you can do something. Qad aflaha man zakkaha. If you can purify your soul. So the topic we have to talk about today is the topic of tazkiyatun nafs purifying purifying the soul 
How, first of all, did this whole ayah, the scholars of tafsir, they differed over it in two opinions. One of them said, and they differed over it as to who is the one who is purifying the soul. Who is the one who is purifying the soul? Two opinions. What do we think? Can anyone make a guess about them? Who is the one who is purifying the soul? Allah said successful is the one who purifies it. Who is purifying the soul? Two, two options. Does anyone have any ideas? The individual himself. Excellent, that's one opinion. So let's see if we can get on the live stream if anyone gets the other opinion. The first opinion is you yourself. Meaning you yourself purify your soul. Who else can purify your soul? Do we have any answers, Abdurrahman? No one? The second opinion is that it's Allah that purifies your soul. And that the meaning of the ayah, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَكَّاهَا Meaning, successful is the one who Allah purifies their soul. Allah purifies them. And there's no reason why we can't take both of these because Allah purifying your soul is from one point of view and you purifying your soul is from another point of view. But here we have a problem. Didn't Allah say in the Quran, فَلَا تُزَكُّوا أَنفُسَكُمْ Don't purify your souls. In Surah Al-Najm. Surah Al-Najm, right? فَلَا تُزَكُّوا أَنفُسَكُمْ هُوَ أَعْلَمُ how do we join between these two? Don't purify your souls. And successful is the one who purifies his soul. How do we join between these two? One of them says, don't do it. One of them says, you're going to be successful if you do it. Allah doesn't make it something hard for you that you can't achieve. So what's the meaning? There must be a different meaning, right? The other way, because the Quran doesn't contradict itself. So it must be one meaning for one of them and one meaning for the other one. So let's see if we can get the whole benefit of the live streams. We get the people who are watching to post their ideas. The, how do we reconcile between these two ayat? فَلَا أَنفُسَكُمْ Don't Make tazkiyah of yourselves. And the statement, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَكَّاهَا Successful is the one who purifies his soul. Don't be arrogant. Yeah, that's a good answer. That's half the answer. We didn't quite get to the exact answer. That's also close. Don't tell people. That's close. That's excellent. Don't, there's a difference between claiming it and between what? Doing it. So the ayah in Surah Al-Shams is about what? It's about doing. It's about fi'l, tazkiyat al-nafs. Doing tazkiyat al-nafs. And the ayah in Surah Al-Najm is about claiming it. It's about saying to everybody, I am pure. فَلَا أَنفُسَكُمْ Don't say about yourself, that I'm pure. How many times we hear people make tazkiyat al-nafs, they say about themselves. They say about themselves, like, I'm really good. 
I'm an alhamdulillah, I'm a very good, I'm a very practicing Muslim, I'm a very good. Goes against what Allah Azawajal said, right? Don't say about yourself that you are pure. There's no harm in saying I'm a Muslim, and there's no harm in saying I'm a mu'min, inshallah. I'm a believer, inshallah. But for someone to claim, like, I'm, I'm very, I'm from the people of Jannah. And likewise to claim it about someone else. We see this a lot as well. Say, oh, Wallah, he's from the people of Jannah. People say this, someone dies, say, Shaheed. Shaheed, Shaheed. What makes you know he's Shaheed? Where is the Shaheed? Shaheed fil Jannah. Who told you that this person is in Jannah? Don't claim purity for yourselves. That includes claiming it for other people. Saying this person is in Jannah. Who do we claim it for? For whoever Allah told us about and the Prophet ﷺ told us about. The Prophet ﷺ said, Abu Bakr fil Jannah, wa Umar fil Jannah, wa Uthman fil Jannah, wa Ali fil Jannah. عنهم, and other hadith where he told this person is in Jannah, this person is in Jannah. But we don't testify Jannah for anyone except when we have evidence in the Qur'an or in the Sunnah. Because that's part of the statement of Allah Don't purify yourselves. But it doesn't mean that. It means doing the actions. You doing the actions that bring about tazkiyah to nafs. The actions that bring you jannah. And the actions that keep you away from the fire. And even if we look at the word tazkiyah in the Arabic language. When you have the word zakah, we've been doing zakah in Bulugh al-Maran. The word zakah, it refers back to two things. At-tuhr, purity, and a nama, something developing and, and growing. You know, growth and purity, or purity and development. That's the word zakah, comes back to this. So when we say tazkiyatun nafs, purifying your soul, these are the two aspects of it. You want to develop your soul, grow your soul, like you grow your business. You grow your business, you try and get more customers, more money. You're going to grow, you want to grow, you want to develop. This is a nama. And you want to purify your soul, clean it. Tathir. You want to clean it, you want to make it clean. So this is the two aspects of Tazkiyatun Nafs. Tazkiyatun nafs has these two things in it. One is purifying yourself and cleaning yourself. So we talk about tawbah, we talk about istighfar, asking Allah's forgiveness. This is about cleaning your soul. But that's not the only part of tazkiyatun nafs. It's not just about cleaning your soul. It's about developing your soul and growing your soul. How do you grow yourself? Through fi'l ta'at, doing the good deeds, doing good deeds. So the more good deeds you do, you grow, you develop, you reach a higher level. And the more sins you keep away from, you clean yourself, you make tawbah, you turn back to Allah, you repent. And that's what tazkiyatun nafs is built around. It's built around growing yourself, call it self-development, if you want to call it by a Western term that people use today, developing yourself, growing yourself. And it's about purifying it's about purifying yourself. And that's done through a taqwa. 
because we've defined taqwa before that taqwa is we said it is al-amalu bi ta'atillah ala nurin min Allah raja'a thawabillah wa tarku ma'asillah ala nurin min Allah makhafata a'thabillah we said it's one of the best definitions of taqwa in the sharia is to do what Allah commanded you with the light of guidance from Allah hoping for Allah's reward and keep away from what Allah prohibited you from upon a light of guidance from Allah fearing Allah's punishment so that means that the more good deeds that you do and the more sins you keep away from and the more you purify yourself with a tawbah and al istighfar and you try to push yourself and you have mujahadatun nafs you fight against yourself you fight against yourself yourself your nafs goes one way and the other yeah, sometimes your nafs goes the wrong way. The soul is constantly inclined towards evil. Your nafs is like the car that has a bad wheel. It just keeps going that way. You have to pull it. You have to control it. And that's why Allah said, Whoever fears standing in front of his Lord, and prohibits his nafs from its desires, Jannah will be their final destination. Jannah will be their destination. So this issue of tazkiyat nafs this is what brings you Jannah. The evidence, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ That if you can do this tazkiyat nafs you'll be successful. Successful means you'll get what you want, which is Jannah, and you'll keep away from what you're scared of, which is the hellfire. And you'll get that if you purify yourself. But the second understanding of the ayah, it tells us that you can't purify your nafs by yourself. And this is from the lata'if, the subtle meanings. You can't do it by yourself. If you try to purify your nafs by yourself, you, cannot, you can't do it. You cannot do it. You can only purify your nafs if Allah Azza wa Jal purifies it for you. If Allah guides you and Allah helps you, Allah gives you tawfiq, success, that's the only way that you'll be able to purify yourself. It's the only way you'll be able to be successful. So this second meaning of the ayah, the second meaning of the ayah that it is Allah Azza wa Jal that purifies then this tells us that we can't purify ourselves without the help of Allah. And that's why these two are not contradictory, these two meanings. They go together. In the first meaning, it's your job to make the effort to purify yourself. In the second meaning, you will not be able to purify yourself unless Allah helps you and makes you successful. And the same is said, قَدْ Dessaha here. First of all, The meaning of this is the one who lowered themselves. The opposite of the one who did tazkiyatun nafs. The opposite of the one who purified their soul. is the one who humiliated their soul. They caused their soul 
to be taken away from the guidance. They cause their soul to be taken away from the guidance. And that again has two aspects to it. Either Allah is the one who is doing that, and also the person is the one doing that from a different perspective. From the person's perspective, it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you the opportunity. And you had to choose whether you take that opportunity or not. Like Allah Azza said, وَنُقَلِّبُ أَفْئِدَتَهُمْ وَأَبَصَارَهُمْ كَمَا لَمْ يُؤْمِنُوا بِهِ أَوَّلَ مَرَّةٍ We turn their eyes and their hearts away because they didn't believe in it the first time. Allah gave you the message. It's up to you whether you accept it or not. Allah told you what you have to do. It's up to you whether you follow it or not. Like the Prophet ﷺ said, all of you will enter Jannah. Every one of you will enter Jannah. إِلَّا مَنْ أَبَى Except the one who refuses. قَالُوا وَمَنْ يَأْبَى يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ They said, who is going to refuse Jannah, O Rasulullah? He said, whoever obeys me will enter Jannah. And whoever disobeys me, فَقَدْ أَبَى That's the person who said, I don't want Jannah. You had your religion made easy for you. Allah made it simple for you. Allah gave you simple instructions to follow. Simple religion. Allah wants to make this religion easy for you. He doesn't want to make it difficult for you. So Allah made the religion easy. But it's our choice now. Are we going to try to purify ourselves by doing as many good deeds as possible and keeping away from the sins and making tawbah and istighfar? Or are we going to be the people who we actually caused our soul to fall down? That's why some of them said regarding the statement of Allah Azza wa Jalla, that it means you made your soul go, go down. You made it low. Allah Azza wa Jal gave you a chance to reach the high status of paradise, al-firdaus al-a'la, the highest places in Jannah. And you made your soul go down, go low. What made your soul go low? Sins, disobedience, turning away from Allah. But ultimately, who is the one who guides and misguides? Allah. Allah Azza wa Jal is the one who guides and Allah Azza wa Jal is the one who misguides. So this guidance and tazkiyah, it comes from Allah. And this misguidance, it comes from Allah. But now we have to ask ourselves a question. What is the criteria that Allah Azza wa Jal uses to purify a soul or to make it go low, to lower it down? Because Allah doesn't do anything randomly. Allah Azza wa Jal doesn't do anything randomly. Without any wisdom, without any reason, just random. You go to Jannah, you go to Jahannam. Jannah, Jahannam, Jannah, Jahannam. Allah Azzawajal doesn't do this. Allah Azzawajal has hikmatun baligha, infinite wisdom. So what is it that makes Allah Azzawajal purify a person? And what is it that makes Allah Azzawajal cause a person to become low? Asfala safilin. Thumma radadnahu. They made them the lowest of the low. The person Allah raised them the in the best situation, in the best form. And then they became They became the lowest of the low. So what is it that, that Allah makes you? Why is it that Allah raises you up? And why is it that Allah puts you down? We can get the answer to this in a principle about guidance and misguidance.
that Allah Azza wa Jal guides whoever He wants. Inna Allah yahdi man yasha, ni'matan minhu wa fadla, wa yudillu man yasha, hikmatan minhu wa adla. This is a principle, and it has an evidence in Surah Al-Hujurat, in the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ حَبَّبَ إِلَيْكُمُ الْإِيمَانِ وَزَيَّنَهُ فِي قُلُوبِكُمْ وَكَرَّهَ إِلَيْكُمُ الْكُفْرَ وَالْحُسُوقَ وَالْعِسْيَانِ أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الرَّاشِدُونَ فَضْلًا مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَنِعْمًا وَاللَّهُ عَلِيمٌ حَكِيمٌ The principle is, Allah guides whoever He wants as a bounty and a grace, or a grace and a favor. So when Allah guides you, it's not that you deserve to be guided. It's a favor from Allah, a gift from Allah. Guidance is a hiba rabbaniya. It's a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You don't deserve it. You didn't do enough. You didn't thank Allah enough. You didn't obey Allah enough. Nobody did. Whatever Allah has given you is many times better than the worship that you do. Even if you worship Allah all day and all night, the bounty of Allah over you will be more than the worship you do because that worship itself is a gift from Allah. Even if you pray all night and you fast all day, that praying all night is a gift from Allah and that fasting all day is a gift from Allah. So how are you going to show gratitude to Allah for that gift? Pray some more, but that's a gift from Allah. So how are you going to show gratitude for that gift? Give sadaqah, but that's a gift from Allah. And the money you gave it with is a gift from Allah. And the fact that you spent it is a gift from Allah. So how are you going to pay back Allah for what He's given you? You cannot. You cannot. So guidance is a ni'mah, a blessing, and a grace, a fadl, a favor. And the word fadl in Arabic, what do we say? Fadl is what is extra, right? When you say fadlul ma, it's what's left, the extra extra water that's left over. So al-fadl from Allah is when Allah gave you more than you gave. Allah gave you more than you deserve. This is guidance. So what about misguidance? Misguidance comes from Allah's adl, Allah's justice, and it comes from Allah's hikmah, Allah's wisdom. So Allah Azza wa Jal misguides through His justice and His wisdom. It's not random. It's because Allah Azza wa Jal, out of his justice, he knows the person. Doesn't Allah know the one who's trying to be grateful? So it's a gift from Allah to be guided, and misguidance is justice. Can we prove that misguidance is justice? Can we give you an ayah to prove that being misguided was just? Somebody says, I don't believe it's just. I don't believe it's just. He said, if I got misguided, I think it's unjust. Zulm. We need to give him a proof. We need an ayah to prove to someone that the fact that Allah misguided you is, a, is justice. We can prove this from many ayat, but I'm just going to give you one. وَلَوْ تَرَى إِذْ وُقِفُوا عَلَى رَبِّهِمْ وَلَوْ تَرَى إِذْ وُقِفُوا عَلَى النَّارِ فَقَالُوا يَا لَيْتَنَا نُرَدُّ وَلَا نُكَذِّبَ بِآيَاتِ رَبِّنَا وَنَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ بَلْ بَدَا لَهُمْ مَا كَانُوا يُخْفُونَ مِنْ قَبْلُ وَلَوْ رُدُّوا لَعَادُوا لِمَا نُهُوا عَنْهُ وَإِنَّهُمْ لَكَاذِبُونَ Surah Al-An'am, Allah Azza wa Jal said, If you could see when the disbelievers were on the fire, in the hellfire, what will the disbelievers say? يَا لَيْتَنَا نُرَدُّ We want to go back. 
will not disbelieve, we promise, we're not going to disbelieve in your ayat. And we're going to be from the believers. So the disbelievers in the fire, he's saying, oh Allah, please put me back, I'm going to be a believer, I'm going to be a Muslim. Just put me back, put me back on the earth, I promise you, I'm going to do good and I'm going to be a Muslim. What did Allah say? If we put them back, they do the same thing again. They're lying. Subhanallah. The people of Jahannam still haven't stopped lying. Until the time they're put into Jahannam, they're lying. They say, oh Allah, please, I'm sincere. I'm going to be a Muslim. He has no intention to be a Muslim. No intention. The heart is not there. It's simply that I want to get out of the fire. Then I'm going to do the same thing again. Is it not just for those people to be misguided? It's just. Doesn't Allah have infinite wisdom, perfect wisdom? He does. Tayyib, then how can we be from the people who are guided? We have an ayah from the Quran. Allah said, Those who they strive for us. Here, the word jahadu, the word jihad in the ayah, it doesn't mean in the battle. This is a general, the person strives and fights against themselves, against the shaitan, against their enemies, against in every way. They fight. They're trying hard, working very hard. We're going to guide them to our ways. So if you try hard, and you put your trust in Allah, and you try to make that tazkiyah to nafs, you try to purify that nafs as much as you can, and you try to keep away from sins as much as you can, Allah promised that He's going to, He's going to guide you, He's going to help you. So you're going to go from the first meaning of the ayah to the second meaning of the ayah. What's the first meaning of the ayah? You're going to try to purify your soul, then Allah is going to purify your soul for you. You're going to try to keep your soul away from haram, then Allah is going to keep your soul away from haram. We have many examples of this. Yusuf, the example of Yusuf. Allah said that when the wife of Al-Aziz, when she called Yusuf to commit zina, he said that she, want, she, was, she wanted Yusuf. She wanted Yusuf. And he would have wanted her. But he saw the signs of Allah. He knew the punishment from Allah. And he knew what was going to happen to the people who do that. So he said, when he said what he said after those women, they tried to trick him. And he said, The prison is more beloved to me than what they call me to. He tried to keep himself in the right way, then Allah Azza wa Jal kept him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala kept him pure. And that's how you be. You, you try yourself, you strive yourself to keep yourself on the right path, and then you trust in Allah to take you there, to do the right thing for you, to help you. And that also shows you one more thing. It shows you how much a person needs Allah. You can't purify your nafs by yourself. You need Allah. So you try hard. You put your trust in Allah. You do your best to do as much as you can and keep away from 
as much as you can. And then you put your trust in Allah Azza wa Jal to, and you show your need of Allah, your haja, your iftiqar, your need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, your poverty in front of Allah, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to purify that soul, to purify that soul for you. There's another point we can make about tazkiyatun nafs. Because tazkiyatun nafs is not just about obeying Allah in the uh, outward actions. It's also about obeying Allah in the heart. And it's also about having good akhlaq, good manners. All of those things come under tazkiyatun nafs. قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَكَّاهَا وَقَدْ خَابَ مَنْ دَسَّاهَا Successful is the one who purifies it and the one who has humiliated it. That's the one who has lowered it down and taken it to become أَسْفَلَ سَافِلِينَ The lowest, the lowest of the low. And this also brings us to another point of benefit that we can mention here, which is to say that sins... Al-ma'asi, the sins. What do the sins do to you? What do sins do to you? Sins lower your status down. And obedience raises your status up. In the sight of Allah and in the sight of the people as well. In the sight of Allah and in the sight of the people. Whenever you disobey Allah, it brings about lowness. Ihana, you become low. Hawan, you become low and disgraced. And whenever you obey Allah, Allah raises you up. If we have any quick questions on the stream, we can take them while we just go to the next section. One more point I wanted to make which is the dua of the Prophet ﷺ, is that the Prophet ﷺ, when he used to recite this ayah, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَكَّاهَا is said that he used to mention the dua, Allahumma ati nafsi taqwaha wazakkiha anta khayru man zakkaha In some of the narrations, anta waliyuha wa mawlaha Allahumma ati nafsi Taqwaha. O oh Allah, give my soul its taqwa. Wazakkiha and purify my soul. Anta man zakkaha. You're the best of those who purify it. Imam Ibn al-Qayyim rahimullah ta'ala He mentioned a, a number of benefits about this part of the surah He mentioned He said وَكَذَلِكَ النَّفْسِ أَقْسَمَ بِهَا وَبِمَنْ سَوَّاهَا وَأَلْهَمَهَا فُجُورَهَا وَتَقْوَاهَا He said Allah Azzawajal swore by the soul and Allah swore by the one who fashioned it and the one who taught it and inspired it what's good and what's bad. 
يعني الله swore by the soul and he swore by himself the one who created it and the one who taught it what is good and what is what is bad he said there are some people who say that the soul is ancient and it has no it has no it was not created and some people say the soul is just a you know eternal being and there are some other people who say it is the soul who alone that brings about or that knows what is good and what is wrong and allah azza wa jal refuted this group and this group and he explained that allah azza wa jal created this soul and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught it and inspired it what is right and what is wrong either through the fitrah the the natural inclination and through the sharia through the prophets and the books the scripture so the soul came to know what is right and what is wrong without allah the soul, the soul will never know what is right and what is wrong like when people say that all of these rules are just it's just decency it's just people being nice to each other no allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspired what is right and what is wrong and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the prophets and revealed the books and part of the purpose of that is to teach the people what is right and what is wrong and without that guidance we would be lost so a person is not responsible for guidance and misguidance that's in the hands of allah nor is it the case that these souls just existed forever rather allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created them for a time and they're going to pass away at a time and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who inspired them for what is bad and what is good Wallah, there's a number of benefits, but we, we have to go through. I mean, there's a lot of... Uh, Wallah, there's a lot of benefits to mention on this. But we'll move on, inshallah, so that we... I mean, that we... Uh, don't run out of time, yani. Uh, the statement of Allah, Azza wa Jal. كَذَّبَتْ ثَمُودُ بِطَغْوَاهَا إِذِنْ بَعَثَ أَشْقَاهَا فَقَالَ لَهُمْ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ نَاقَةَ اللَّهِ وَسُقِيَاهَا فَكَذَّبُوهُ فَعَقَرُوهَا فَدَمْدَمَ عَلَيْهِمْ رَبُّهُمْ بِذَنْبِهِمْ فَسَوَّاهَا وَلَا يَخَافُ عُقُبَاهَا The last one, two, three, four, five ayat. Allah tells us about Thamud. And that Thamud disbelieved in the messengers when they were sent to them. And the Tughiyan the transgression and the oppression that they did. And Allah Azza wa Jal, Mujahid and Qatada and others, they said, فَأَعْقَبَهُمْ ذَلِكْ تَكْذِيبًا فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ بِمَا جَاءَهُمْ بِهِ رُسُولُهُمْ رَسُولُهُمْ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَةُ وَالسَّلَامُ مِنَ الْهُدَى وَالْيَقِينَ This is really important. He said, Allah Azza wa Jal, what was the punishment for the transgression of Thamud? I'm not talking about the punishment that was sent by Allah. The first punishment was that when they oppressed people, 
and they refuse to purify themselves and they cause their souls to become low and humiliated by doing many different kinds of sins, Allah gave them a punishment. That punishment was that they didn't believe in their Prophet when the Prophet came. That was their first punishment. So here, They said that the بِطَغْوَاهَا here, the meaning of it is when Thamud transgressed against the people and oppressed the people and did all of the evil that they did, Allah Azza wa Jal made them disbelieve in their Prophet. Allah made the punishment upon them that they disbelieved. And we mentioned the ayah in Surah Al-An'am We cause the person's eyes and we cause their hearts to turn away from Allah because they didn't believe the first time. Look at the effects of sin and disgracing your soul. When you disgrace your soul, you lower your soul, what happens? It might even get to the point where your heart becomes so sealed that you don't even accept the truth when it comes. You don't even accept Islam when it comes to you. Some people are like that. They do so many sins and so much disobedience that Allah seals their heart. And then no guidance comes to them. Like Thamud. Like Thamud. And that's what they said about the statement, That when Thamud transgressed against the people, Allah Azza wa Jal gave the punishment of takdeeb, that they denied the Prophet. They didn't accept their, they didn't accept their prophet, and they didn't accept the guidance, and they didn't accept the certainty that came. Ashqaha here are Ashq al the worst of Thamud, and the worst of them is. Uh, Qudar ibn Salif, the one who shot the cat, the one who uh, who killed the camel, the one who killed the camel, whose name was Qudar ibn Salif, he was the one who killed the camel. He is the one who Allah Azza wa Jal said, فَنَادَوْ صَاحِبَهُمْ فَتَعَاطَى فَعَقَرَ They called their companion, and he was the one who killed killed the camel. He was very noble among them. He, was, he had a high lineage among them. As it was narrated from uh, Imam Ahmed, that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, he gave a khutbah and he mentioned the camel, the camel of Thamud. And he mentioned the one who killed the camel. And he said, إِذَا أَشْقَاهَا And he said, إِنْبَعَثَ لَهَا رَجُلٌ عَارِمْ عَزِيزٌ مَنِيعٌ فِي رَحْطِهِ مِثْلُ أَبِي زَمْعَةٌ He said, it was a man who was noble. He had position in his society. Among his group he was a person of influence. And he killed, and he killed the camel. 
So what is the connection here between the success of purifying yourself and the evil of disgracing your soul and the example that Allah Azza wa Jal gives? So the example Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives is the example of a people who didn't purify themselves. Twice they didn't purify themselves. The first time when they were oppressing the people and they were harming the people around them, they didn't purify themselves. So Allah put into their hearts that they did not believe. And when their Prophet came to them with evidences and proofs, and they said, if you bring to us the naqa, if you bring to us the camel, we will believe. And then he brought to them the camel by the permission of Allah. The camel came out from the, from the rock by the permission of Allah. And what happened? They disbelieved. فَأَقَرُوهَا They killed the camel and they disbelieved. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent his punishment upon them because of this. Imam Ibn Jarir al-Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentioned a different meaning of كَذَّبَتْ ثَمُودُ بِتَقْوَاهَ He mentioned it in relation to the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal. وَقَالُوا يَا صَالِحُ اُتِنَا بِمَا تَعِدُنَا O Salih, give us what you promised us. If you threatened us with a punishment, if this is really going to come, then okay, bring us, bring us the punishment then. They said, فَأْتِنَا بِمَا تَعِدُنَا They said, يَا صَالِحُ اُتِنَا بِمَا تَعِدُنَا O Salih, give us what you've threatened us. You keep telling us punishment is coming from Allah, punishment is coming from Allah. Okay, give the punishment now. Bring the punishment. He said, this is what Allah said. كَذَّبَتْ ثَمُودُ بِتَغْوَاهَا that when they disobeyed Salih and they said to Salih, bring us the punishment, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala destroyed them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took their souls as disbelievers when they said to Salih, give us what you promised us. And in reality, again, there is no harm in reality for, for, for both of these. You can say, and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best that the first one is more common, the tafsir of Ibn Kathir, which is that uh, the tafsir of Ibn Kathir is that the reason that they disbelieved is because they of the tughiyan, the oppression they did to people. But in reality, you can also bring both of them because as we said, Thamud rejected twice. They transgressed on the earth and they harmed the people and they did dhulm to the people. And so Allah put into their hearts that they didn't accept Salih. And then when Salih came with the camel and they had another chance and they said, bring us the camel and we will believe. And then he brought the camel by the permission of Allah and then they killed the camel. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took their souls as disbelievers. فَقَالَ لَهُمْ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ فَقَالَ لَهُمْ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ The Rasulullah here who said to them is Salih. 
You know it's the Fatha. There must be a verb here then. And the verb here is, like Ibn Kathir, he said, احذروا ناقت الله أنت مسوها بسوء Be careful, don't do anything to harm this camel. فقال لهم رسول الله Their messenger said to them, ناقت الله This is the camel of Allah, don't do anything to it. وسقياها وسقياها سقياها ابن كثير, he said, لا تعتدوا عليها we know that Allah tested them with something. He tested them that the camel has a day to drink and they have a day to drink. Each one sharing. Because they were the ones who asked for the camel. And this is a lesson for all of us, wallahi, because this is exactly what many of the umam fell into, Bani Israel did as well. Is saying, if you give this to me, I'm going to believe. If you give this to me, I'm going to believe. If you give me this, I'm going to believe. I'm going to be good. Then when it comes, it becomes a test for you. So the camel came. They said, bring us the camel. Okay, the camel came. But now you have to share your water with the camel. You take a share, they have a share. You take a share, they have a share. So you have to share the camel. Now the share the water with the camel. So when the camel came, their messenger said, Allah," meaning be careful with this camel and don't harm it. And be careful to make sure that you don't take the water that is due for this camel. They disbelieved. Meaning they disbelieved in Salih. فَكَذَّبُوهُ They disbelieved in Salih. فَأَقَرُوهَا So they killed, they killed the camel. They disbelieved in Salih and they, and they killed the camel. Ibn Jarir, رحمه الله تعالى, he said, كَذَّبُوهُ فِي خَبَرِهِ مِنْ أَنَّ اللَّهَ جَعَلَ لَهَا شِرْبًا فِي يَوْمٍ وَلَهُمْ شِرْبًا فِي يَوْمٍ وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ يَحِلُّ بِهِمْ عُقُوبَتَهُ إِذَا أَقَرُوهَا Ibn Jarir, he said the meaning of they disbelieved in their messenger is they didn't believe him when he said that the camel has a day to drink and they have a day to drink and they didn't believe that a punishment would happen to them if they killed the camel. They didn't, they didn't believe in Salih. When he said that you have to share the water, they didn't believe. And when he said that there's going to be a punishment will happen to you if you kill the camel, they said, we don't believe. They disbelieved in who? In Salih. And they killed the they killed the camel. فَأَقَرُوهَا Some of the scholars of tafsir, they said, كَذَّبُوهُ أَنَّهَا آيَةً 
They didn't believe that this camel was a sign from the signs of Allah. And all of these are just, in reality, all of them, you can bring them all together because they don't contradict each other. They didn't believe the camel was a sign. They didn't believe in sharing the water. They didn't believe there was going to be a punishment if they killed the camel. But they killed the camel and then the punishment came upon them. فَدَمْدَمَ عَلَيْهِمْ رَبُّهُمْ بِذَنْبِهِمْ Here, فَدَمْدَمَ عَلَيْهِمْ رَبُّهُمْ بِذَنْبِهِمْ Ibn Kathir, he says, غَضِبَ عَلَيْهِمْ فَدَمَّرَ عَلَيْهِمْ Allah became angry with them, so he brought his destruction upon them. بِذَنْبِهِمْ بِذَنْبِهِمْ because of the sins that they did or because of the sin that they did in killing the camel so Allah Azza wa Jal became angry with them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala destroyed them a damdama here is a tadmir a tadmir a damdama here fadamdama alayhim it means a tadmir it means destruction Allah Azza wa Jal destroyed them فَسَوَّاهَا فَسَوَّاهَا Here they say, and I'll see what the, how they translated it into English. You see how they translated it in the, in the English translation of the Quran. فَسَوَّاهَا the, the English translation says that Allah made it equal upon all of them. Allah made it equal upon all of them. Uh, here in the books of tafsir they mention فَجَعَلَ الْعُقُوبَةَ نَازِلَةً عَلَيْهِمْ عَلَى السَّوَى Allah sent the punishment upon all of them equally. This has a big lesson for us. Who killed the camel? One person. One person killed the camel. One person killed the camel. But the punishment came upon all of them. Why did the punishment come upon all of them? Because all of them cooperated with it and all of them were content with it. Because somebody can say, didn't Allah say, Nobody's going to bear the burden of someone else. So how can it be that someone, one guy killed a camel and the punishment comes upon the whole community only because they cooperated and they were happy with that decision. And that's the same you can say about Bani Israel, the punishment upon Bani Israel and all of the things that come in the Quran where you have collective punishment. Somebody says, how can there be collective punishment in the Quran? How can it be that Allah punishes everybody Allah punished all of them because all of them cooperated and all of them were content with it. So each of them became the same as the one who killed the camel. The same. They became all the same because all of them were happy for it and all of them were cooperating in it. And the same example we can give for Bani Israel. How many times does it come in the Quran about Bani Israel? And Allah Azza wa Jal speaks to Bani Israel 
who were alive in the time of the Prophet as though they were the ones who did then you took the calf as an act of as a as an object of worship. How did they take the calf? They were not the people who took the calf. Their ancestors took the calf. Because they were content with it. They were happy. They were they had no objection to it. So Allah Azza wa made it that the one who is happy with something and the one who cooperates with something is like the one who does it. And this is from the danger of cooperating with people in doing sins. That maybe the punishment will come upon everyone and maybe all you did is whisper in your friend's ear, go akbar, do it, doesn't matter. I'll be with you, I'll support you. And then the punishment comes upon, upon everybody. Some of them even said that even the silence here, the ones who when they were discussing killing the camel, they stayed silent. The punishment came upon them because they stayed silent. And the same thing is narrated about Bani Israel as well. That when the leaders of Bani Israel and the knowledgeable people remained silent about the munkar that happened, the evil that happened, what, did, what happened? Allah sent the punishment upon all of them. فَسَوَّاهَا <laughs> Allah sent the punishment upon all of them. وَلَا يَخَافُ عُقُبَاهَا In the qira'ah of Definitely the Qira'ah of Warsh, the Qira'ah of also Qalun, uh, so Nafi'. What's the, what's the difference, Abdurrahman? Do you know? They read it, Fala yakhafu uqubaha, with a fa. So if you ever hear this read with a fa, don't think the person's reading it wrong. Uh, some of the people who read it read it, Wala yakhafu uqubaha, and some of the Qira'at. فَلَا يَخَافُ أُقُبَاهَا Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma he said or here there are two any The, the most common tafsir of this is that it returns to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The one who is not scared is Allah azza wa jal. Yani Allah is not scared of the consequences of what he did. Yani Allah is not scared of anyone and Allah has no one questions Allah over what he does. Allah destroyed all of them. Allah destroyed all of them, and nobody questions Allah. Nobody says to Allah, why did you destroy them? Why did you not destroy this? Why this person? Why not this person? Doesn't, isn't asked about what he does. They are asked about what they do. You will be asked about what you do, but Allah will not be asked about what he does. This is the statement of Ibn Abbas, and this is the mashhur, it's the well-known tafsir of the ayah. لا يخاف الله من أحد that Allah is not scared of anyone, of comeback, you know, from anyone, of anyone. No one has the right to say to Allah, why did you destroy Thamud like that? And that's also narrated from Mujahid and Al-Hasan and others.
And that, the purpose of that, really, is to make you fear Allah Azza wa That look how Allah destroyed all those people because they disobeyed Him. So what makes you think that you're safe? أَفَأَمِنُوا مَكْرَ اللَّهِ فَلَا يَأْمَنُوا مَكْرَ اللَّهِ إِلَّا الْقَوْمُ الْخَاسِرُونَ Nobody is, do you feel safe that Allah is not going to make something happen to you? Nobody feels safe that nothing will happen to them from Allah except the losing people. So a person has to remember how Allah Azza wa Jal destroyed Thamud and no one asked Allah about it. No one has the right to say to Allah, why did you do that? Why didn't you do that? So if Allah Azza wa Jal destroys you or destroys me or destroys whoever is on the earth, no one is going to come to Allah and say, why did you do that? Everyone has to take responsibility for their actions and for purifying themselves, for keeping away from the haram so that they don't fall into the same sin that Thamud fell into. Everything fears Allah and Allah Azza wa Jal fears no one. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is part of what you can take or part of the benefit that you can take from from the end of the surah. That Allah Azza wa Jal did not fear the consequences of that. So a person has to think about that seriously. Try to purify themselves. Try to keep away from the haram. And they have to realize that there are consequences of disobeying Allah and Allah has no consequences in what he does. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's bring us to the end of the of the surah. We can take some questions if anybody has any questions. If I know the answer, I will tell you. And if I don't know the answer, then I won't. Let's see. Okay, some people were asking the uh, example of Yusuf. I read it from memory, so I don't remember the verse, but we can, we can find that and put it in the comments, inshallah. Uh, here, if your soul, this is an excellent question. If your soul was taught right and wrong, then why do we need prophets? As our souls were already given this knowledge. We mentioned this in detail in the previous lesson. So I think if we go back to lesson 23, there was a lot of detail there. But first of all, uh, there is no doubt that Allah gave you a fitrah. Allah gave you a natural inclination. But that natural inclination is not enough. It's not enough for you. You need complete guidance. Did anyone, was anyone born and the moment they were born or you know, as soon as they could talk, they knew everything that was haram and everything that they had to do and everything that they don't have to do. A person needs to learn and needs to gain knowledge from the revelation. But Allah created you with a natural inclination towards it, meaning it fits. Like imagine like, you know, when you have two pieces of a puzzle and you put them together, they fit. So Allah gave you a fitrah. He gave you a nature. And naturally, you fit with the revelation. 
When the revelation comes, it fits with you. You fit with it. It's natural. Because Allah Azzawajal gave you a fitrah, Allah gave you a natural inclination, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you revelation which goes with it. So your natural inclination, it got you inquisitive. It, it, remi it reminded you, no, I have a creator. Allah is my Lord. I need to worship him. Okay, now where's the details? Where's the details? The details come in the, in the revelation. That's one answer. The second answer is to say that everyone's nature and what people think is right and wrong differs from person to person, right? Is that not true? That, like, for example, if, if maybe I think that this is wrong and you think it's right. So ultimately, you need something decisive. You need something that clearly proves to you what is right and what is wrong. And that is why Allah sent down the books as the clearest explanation. The Quran is the clearest explanation. Allah made it clear to everyone. So that people have no proof against, no argument against Allah. They can't turn and say, Oh Allah, you didn't give me. Oh Allah, you didn't inspire me. Oh Allah, I didn't understand my fitrah. Oh Allah, I didn't know myself. I didn't understand what you wanted. So Allah gave the revelation and made it clear for everybody. So there are two answers. The first is the fitrah is the beginning, but it's not the end. Your fitrah, it starts you on your journey, but it's not the end. It's not, it doesn't give you everything you need. And the second thing is that to be clear, to have clear evidence against people, to have a clear hujjah, a clear argument, Allah sent the clearest example with the prophets and the messengers and with the scripture so that people could have no argument afterwards. Nobody could say, oh, my soul told me this, my soul told me that. That would be a difficult situation if everybody had to decide what's right and wrong based on how their soul feels. So instead, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them the clearest example. Okay, there's a question which is... Uh, oh yeah, Abdurrahman, you can post that, uh, the... Uh, you can post the ayah there. Okay. We have a couple more questions to deal with and we're going to wrap up inshallah because it's getting towards Isha time here. Uh, the first is, are there signs of acceptance of salah? You can put, that, you can put those questions up as we do them. Yeah? Are there signs of your salah being accepted? Generally, the signs of acceptance of good deeds the clearest of them that I can remember is in the statement of Allah Allah gives an increase in guidance to those who are guided. That means that when you finish a good deed, Allah inspires you to do another good deed. So you finish your salah and Allah makes it possible for you to do another salah. Or you finish your salah and Allah makes it possible for you to do your adhkar. Then you finish your adhkar and Allah makes it possible for you to smile at your brother, for example. Then you smile at your brother and Allah makes it possible for you to give sadaqah, for example. And so on. 
Allah gives you an increase in guidance for those who are for those who are guided. So when you see from your salah that your your get your salah is inspiring you to do more good deeds, that you finish your salah, when you finish an ibadah, go straight to the next one. Go straight to the next one. That's one. The second thing is the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, Inna salata tanha anil fahsha'i wal munkar. The prayer stops you from immorality and wrongdoing. So if you see you're praying and you're stopping al fahsha'i wal munkar, you're stopping haram and you're stopping immorality and you're stopping doing wrong things, then inshaAllah ta'ala, this is also from the signs that the salah has been accepted and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. Another question which we had here in salah when you go down in sujood. Is it encouraged to drop on your knees with a bang? No, it's prohibited to drop on your knees with a bang. It's prohibited. Because of the hadith about not making sajda the way that the camel does. And some of the scholars, Shaykh bin Baz, he said this, that the one of the features of the camel when it descends is it descends heavy with a bang. So this is from this uh, hadith. Uh, okay, this question from, I think it's from Amina. Brother, can you please explain again why Allah is swearing about some of, upon some of his creation? I've, told, I've been told that he's doing that to emphasize the importance of what he will tell us afterwards. Yes, uh, the importance of what will come after and the importance of that creation itself. Both. Allah is telling you the importance of that creation and Allah is telling you the importance of what will come after. Both of them. And we said, "Qad uh, zakaha" is the answer to those, to that those oaths so, that Allah swears by the sun, and Allah swears by the night, and Allah swears by the day, and Allah swears by the moon, Allah, and Allah swears by the soul, and and so on. Allah swears by the heavens, and Allah swears by the earth. And the answer to all of that is "Qad zakaha." Like, in other words, the the emphasis that Allah is trying to bring you to is. To swear in all of those things shows you the importance of them. And then finally, that the successful one is going to be the one who is going to be the one who purifies their soul. So it's like when you say, for example, Wallahi Qad By Allah, the one who purifies themselves has been successful. So you swore by Allah. And what were you swearing because of? What was the point of it? What was the jawab al-qasab? What was the reason why you're swearing? Wallahi, qad By Allah, the one who purifies himself will be successful. So likewise, Allah Azza swore by all those things to tell you qad There's a very good question about the difference between La Uqsimu and Washams, but I don't know the answer to that question. I will have to look up, I will have to look look it up next time, inshallah. I'm not sure of the answer to the difference between La Uqsimu and between the Wow Wow Al Qasim, but both of them mean Qasim, both of them mean an oath or swearing. Uh, I think inshallah we have to wrap up the questions there because it's too near to Isha time now and we have the Adhan. And then the salah, inshallah, 
But inshallah, next time, we're going to start the Balugh al-Maram classes as well, inshallah, on a Tuesday, ta'ala. And slowly, we'll, we'll keep adding classes, inshallah, through the live stream once we're getting used to it. But inshallah, we can stop there. And Allah Azza knows best. Jazakumullah khairan for watching. Please subscribe, share, and you can visit muhammadtim.com.